good. Have a seat. Okay, good morning. We're going to have people shuffling in here a little late. We, you know, we had some run and, you know, we had a little late night discussion. So if your table's empty, you know, like Matt, you feel free to go join Madav if, you know, it's okay. First thing we're going to do is we're just going to check in and we're going to talk about imagine. And if you remember, we talked about the concept of brain writing with your little pads. Concept is that, you know, you first have to conceptualize your mental model about what this looks like, the supply chain of the future, then talk to your table, and then hopefully when you go home, you can use all the videos and the books and all the materials we create to really imagine supply chain of the future and build a guiding coalition. As we talked about, we must learn from the past to unlearn to build better. So what I want you to do now at your table is just introduce yourself if you don't know yourself. And Jenny, if you want to move, you know, so that you're with a group. I mean, this table over here looks like they could use somebody. I want to welcome Eric from the General Commerce. Eric, uh, you want to just raise your hand? Eric's one of the favorite people that I follow in the industry. Uh, use a lot of his materials on ocean freight, so feel free to talk to him at break. What I want you to do now at your table is talk about what your number one thing is you learned from yesterday that you have to unlearn. Number one thing you have to unlearn. Have a conversation. You've got 10 minutes to talk. And what I'm going to do is we're going to pass the mics, but I just want to give you a little bit of instruction on how to use the mic. We've got the virtual feed going on, so when we pass the mics, don't hold the mic down here because we can't hear you. Hold it right up at your mouth, right? Don't lean over like this because I want to be sure I get your voice on the camera, okay? So, Regina, here's your mic to run your mics. Yesterday, I talked about seven things I think we should unlearn. The order is not representative of demand. The integrated supply chain is a flawed concept. We need to be really focused on interoperability, not integration. Yeah? Because integration moves data without semantics. We talk about end-to-end -end supply chain, but we really don't have good taxonomies for end-to-end. -end. If you remember, logistics and procurement sit in an island. Our outsourced manufacturing, which is 32% of manufacturing in North America, is linked by spreadsheets. And most of the time, our new product launch is made in those outsourced manufacturers, and that latency for that signal is a barrier for growth. We talked about we inherit our supply chains, we need to actively design our supply chains. I was a chemical engineer at University of Tennessee, could not have gotten through school unless I could design distillation columns and heat exchangers. Never really put that to work. But only 9% of companies actively design the flows of their supply chains. Yes, we design a factory. Yeah, we got a project and we do bricks and mortar. But we're not actively designing the form and function of supply chains, the push-pull decoupling points, looking at the variability of supply, right? 
We need to manage inventory holistically, the form and function of inventory. Where should inventory be placed? What is the function of inventory? What's happening within transit inventory? How do I manage cycle stock? We are holding 27 more days of inventory across all industry sectors than we did in the recession of 2007. And yesterday we talked about the biggest issue for the last 32 months of disruption after disruption is the wrong inventory, and now we're fire sailing, we got our containers full of inventory, our warehouses are full of inventory, we're gonna have write-offs, and we have business continuity issues. The other issue we talked about is we have to unlearn some of the financial re-engineering we do, right? It can't be about cash to cash, because we're fooling ourselves, because cash to cash is a compound metric, receivables plus inventory minus payables, and what we've done to improve cash to cash is extend payables, which is destroying our supplier relationships and not really owning inventory as a target. We can't just do financial re-engineering. We've really got to do the hard work. So that's what I talked about yesterday. Let's run the mics and see what you talked about today. Regina, let's see what Matt's table talked about. Matt? Uh, yeah, so um, I think you covered a few of the things that we talked about. Um, the first one is about metrics um, and how we need to move away from siloed um, uh, metrics to um, organization, siloed functional metrics to, uh, organize, uh, to cross organizational uh, balanced scorecard type metrics. And we also discussed about you know, are we going to. Um, get to metrics that go outside our enterprise. So for example, in sustainability, do we need to develop you know, um, entire end-to-end -end metrics? Um, we need to unlearn our over-dependency on looking at history as an indicator of what's going to happen in the future. Um, our organization structures need to be challenged and actually, dis actually identifying what is the, the role of supply chain in the future and what, what are the roles that we need um, and to try and move away from, you know, and to use planning as an orchestrator um, as opposed to a group of people who work in spreadsheets to go and create a demand plan and supply plan. Right. Okay. Can you believe that we've got hundreds of planners and lots of organizations and nine out of ten companies don't improve the demand based upon forecast value add? I mean, it's like crazy, right? Like, why do we spend all this money on technology and planners if we're not improving the forecast value at? Alma, your table. Alma Dina, who wants to talk? So we also spoke about the data and what we felt was that the unlearning uh, is how do we decouple our minds from, you know, 20, 30 years of how we think about data structures, right? So one example can be uh, relational databases versus unstructured or schemaless data. Um, and the same, the same concept has to uh, occur in our brains, right? We think of supply chains as a physical structure, and if we can kind of break from that, unlearn it a little bit, and think of supply chains as um, maybe from a digital model perspective that there's interlinking points or interdependencies that you don't see in the physical structure but might exist in the data, so unlearn the old way of looking at data. That's a great ad for what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about how do we improve insights on flow, not just time-phase data, 
through graph and ontological representations of data because our current architectures are based upon a relational database mindset of time phase data and we argue about how to have perfect data in an imperfect world versus looking at flows of data, which is what the river demand exercise is all about. Okay, Rick, your table. What was your unlearning? <clears throat> we talked a little bit about the fact that you know, the, the years of history uh, of, you know, consistency, stability, um, and what you were rewarded on in the past of, of lower inventories, no inventory, just in time, that essentially is gone and kind of our new norm moving forward requires us to really unlearn kind of what we've been conditioned and rewarded on in, in the past. Um, and then the fact that you have to unlearn the fact that the information that you're seeing, you know, to trust and verify that information, it's not always uh, kind of what you see is, is what reality really is. Okay. So this whole inventory strategy, I actually think VMI and Just-in-Time are still a good thing, right? Because those companies typically have better supplier development relationships and they typically do a better job of sharing, but you've got to be sure that you've got those elements in place. The companies that don't have good supplier development, good inventory strategies are the ones that are really struggling with inventory bloat. Okay, let's have Eric, Matthew, your table. Who's going to speak? I guess I am. Yay! <laughs> um, the one that stuck in my mind was we have to unlearn how we work. Yes. Um, just the office versus home yes. versus time yes. spent, uh, et cetera. I love that one. I really have this passion to democratize planning. In my world, before I retire in five years, I'd like to see us with a couple of planners and everybody that's in business has planning on their desk. I would like us to reduce our planners, to be able to empower the business leader, and I would love to see us redesign work so that we can drive better outs insights outside in. Okay, next. Stephen Kishore, so you don't have one? Oh, you're still thinking? Okay. How about uh, JB, your table, Madhav? We talked about uh, thinking beyond our teams, right? And across teams and the impacts on decisions on one another. Then we talked about misalignments between roles and functions and how can we streamline that better in a more connected manner. We also talked about uh, how sometimes we can get pretty rigid in our own ways of thinking and how we should be open to learning. And one of the examples that was brought up was the Web 3.0 presentation yesterday, right? Just understanding these technologies and trends is very important. Uh, KPIs driven in silos can hurt you. So we need to look at our KPI and metrics frameworks as well. And uh, last but not the least, we talked about end customer focus. Let's focus on what we need to deliver to the end customer and how analytics can help us get there. So okay. those are some takeaways. Any table not contributed? Uh, Ashley, you guys, did you come up with? Oh, okay. Ed did. Okay, good. We put Ed to work. Uh, Ashley was me. talking on the virtual stage and we put Ed to work. Welcome, Ed. Yeah, I'll just I'll piggyback off the how we work. We talked a little bit about moving from, you know, the tactical firefighting type of mentality to a strategic planning type of focus with uh, execution, you know, uh, emphasis on execution of that plan where for the past couple of years it's been all, you know, very near-term focused, things of that nature. Right. You know, we got to be careful as we talk about time 
As we redefine work, I think we really need to think about time. A lot of times people want planning to be real time. Planning should never be real time. It throws the complex nonlinear system out of balance. We need to reduce process latency, the ability of us to make a decision, get information to the right people on how we do that. We need to decrease demand latency, which the average demand latency from the channel to the order is four months. Most people don't decrease that demand latency. And we need to decrease the bullwhip effect, which you'll see in the Project Zebra work. We're amplifying the bullwhip effect 90 to 120% in a lot of our systems because of our tight integration architectures. Wow, we got a lot of work to do. But hopefully you're clearer, and hopefully when you leave this conference, you have a new paradigm. So I want to start out and just give you an overview of the supply chains to admire. I'm very excited to have three supply chains to admire award winners today. This is a report that we do every year where we look at which companies outperform their sectors on growth, operating margin, inventory turns, return on invested capital, while driving improvement better than their peer group and outperforming the markets on market capitalization. 3.8% of publicly traded companies meet that standard. 3.8% of publicly traded companies meet that standard. Only three companies in the supply chains to admire are also Gartner Top 25. Now let me tell you a little story about why did I start the supply chains to admire. I used to work at a company called AMR Research, which was purchased by Gartner, and I was part of the development of the Gartner Top 25. You can imagine the typical conference room where people get together and they're writing on whiteboards and they're talking about what is supply chain excellence. Supply chain excellence is not an efficient supply chain. It's the design of the supply chain to drive outcomes, recognizing that many people have multiple supply chains. So when we did the AMR Top 25, which became the Gartner Top 25, there was a belief that we could ask supply chain leaders what they think are the best supply chains and that we could crowdsource an answer. And my issue was, as an analyst, I then became just besieged by PR people that wanted to tell me how great this supply chain was, right? PepsiCo brought in their cooler with their new stuff. It was a great cooler. They gave us drinks for the last month. You know, Procter & Gamble came in, and every month they were telling us how great their supply chain was. First time I ever met Dow was through their PR agency to tell me how great they were. But I said, as an analyst, I don't know all these companies. So I don't think I can really say. And it takes more than three years to drive supply chain improvement. So I don't think that we can have a popularity contest. I think that the numbers need to drive the answer, and we need to know what are the metrics that really tie to market capitalization. So if you know my story, Gartner bought AMR. I don't believe in the Gartner methodology. I won't bore you with that story. And so I left and I started my own company. First thing I did was I went to Arizona State University based upon some relationships with Intel, worked with their statistics department. I took 10 years of data prior to the recession in 2007, and I did correlations to look at which 
set of metrics. I started with 150, and so we looked at what combinations of metrics drove the highest market capitalization. Because what I wanted to do was have a discussion not about cost, but about value. So we found an amazing correlation to growth. So companies that have great products, customer centricity, do much better on market capitalization. Okay, you're probably not surprised. I did not find the correlation with cost. I found the correlation with margin. There's a very big difference in running the supply chain on margin versus cost. Only 29% of people can see total cost. Very few people can make decisions on margin because we really haven't set our metric systems and bonus systems for that. What happens in most companies is we think we're shaping demand by doing promotions or new product launch or price, but we're actually shifting demand. So we're moving demand period to period without actually increasing baseline lift. Focusing on margin helps to align commercial and operations team. Focusing on cost throws you out of balance. And we saw yesterday that the most biggest issue is out of balance with logistics. And logistics is a constraint race now. So we started this analysis. We get our data from Y charts, which syndicates all of the public information. So you might say, well, why is that important? Well, Unilever reports in five different markets. Samsung, you, we can have a long discussion about how do you actually look at Samsung. And then we had to build the sectors. So it took us about three years to build the methodology. I used the methodology to answer the question of what choices did we make over the last decade that drove value, not improvement of cost. So ladies and gentlemen, these are our supply chains to admire award winners. Now, these are probably companies you'd never heard of, right? I never knew Asa Abloy. Anybody ever paid attention to Asa Abloy's package? They make door handles and door frames from the Nordic. So I called him up and said, you won the supply chains to admire, and gave him great, what I thought was an OK presentation, and they enjoyed it. And they said, we never want to talk about what we do in a public forum. We appreciate the offer to come, but we don't want to share. I called up Ross Stores, right, who redefined the business model for apparel to really look at distressed inventory and how could they drive value in a new model to be sure that they could sell distressed inventory. They're like, we hear you, Laura. We're really good at transportation, but we never want to share an you know, a public forum. Same thing with Monster Beverages, right? So most companies on the supply chain stood by, it's hard to get them to the stage because they are not the companies that lobby me on a PR to write their story on Forbes. Interesting fact for me, right? Intuitive Surgical, I called them and they're like, how did we win? Our processes are horrible. We don't have warehouse automation. <laughs> we don't have good planning systems. And I'm like, you understand the hospitals? You understand how to drive innovation at the hospital level. You have the relationships. You can put in planning and warehouse management. That's the easy stuff. But you own the customer side of the supply chain, right? So we've been working on this now for a decade. And this is going to be the topic of my next book. Because good never became great, if you remember good to great. 
And I am writing the case studies of companies that have been year over year supply chain award winners for what I want to be an MBA book around managing complexity, driving leadership and teams, and rethinking supply chain.